0: I think people just make this jump, though, when I give those talks, especially the Recon one. They're like, ah, oh, Recon's mm-hmm. going to find me bugs. And that is not, that's where it falls apart, right? Like, Recon doesn't yeah. really find you bugs. What Preach, Jason, yeah, like, here we go. So, so I use Recon, and I give all these esoteric methods of Recon, and I make a whole talk about Recon to find more apps to hack.
1: Jason, let me, let me start us sure. off with this, okay? I think you're one of the, the first role models that I had in the bug bounty world, to be perfectly honest, man. Like, I remember, I don't know why this memory is so, like, strong for me, but I remember sitting uh, on the floor in my room <laughs> when I had just moved, and I was like, dude, I, I think I got to do this bug bounty thing. <laughs> and just, you know, searching and finding your video, your, um, I think it was one of your level up videos with bug crowd, mm-hmm and uh you know the bug bug bounty hunting methodology um you know videos and i just sat there and i just watched it like four times on repeat and i was like you know i'm gonna have mastery of every single one of these things so i don't know it's just it's just one of the one of my first memories that i had with it so i'm really i'm really grateful to have you on the show it means a lot to me it really does thank you
2: (laughs) yeah and i'll echo a similar thought as well i mean you were definitely one of the first like major resources that i looked up in bug bounty for like how to start hacking and like what to even like do when it comes to like (laughs) hacking and how to find bugs and all that kind of stuff that's
0: that's so awesome you know when you uh when you get older in the game uh you know younger guys like yourself who come along who are just like so much better than me honestly (laughs) saying that they took inspiration from you feels it feels great so i'm glad i'm doing something positive so
1: yeah, yeah, for sure, man, and, and yeah, absolutely inspiration, and, and so I, I had a couple things here. I, I want to give you an opportunity to do your own introduction, um, but I also wanted to give a little introduction myself, first time ever doing an introduction on a podcast like this, so Jason Haddix, if you guys haven't heard of him, you're doing something wrong, um, OG hacker, really, really shares some amazing content um, for, for bug bounty hunting methodology in, pers- in particular. Um I guess when I think of you, Jason, a couple things pop to pop into my mind. First of all, you know, you have street cred in the industry, right? Like you you were number one hacker on Bug Crowd for a while. Like you're in the weeds doing the hacking, and even to this day still doing the hacking. But now you've you've pivoted a little bit into you're a CISO yeah, now, right? Correct. Yeah. So this is kinda where, you know, this is kind of where I kind of see I see two paths in the future for Justin, mm-hmm. right? I can go the I can go sort of the the Franz Rosen path, the the entrepreneur like he's out there, he has like three companies or something yeah. like that, or I can go the Jason Hack's <laughs> path of like all right, I want to be C-suite, I want to be, you know, helping manage a cybersecurity program from a top yep. level. So you've you've pulled that off and the other things that just kind of come to my head, we've already talked about what kind of a a great educator you are, but also Another another role model piece for me is just a part of your online persona and something that you are very public about is you know being a great dad, and uh, I I think it's really refreshing to see that sort of prioritization in the industry. And even when we were scheduling this podcast, you were like, "Hey, you know, yeah, I can come on, but actually, I've got to spend some time with my family, um, and I've got that blocked off from here to here." And I was just like. And this guy's the shit so thanks, man. yeah Just that's what we thought we couldn't like him right. anymore. <laughs> yes <laughs> he's yeah. a family man yeah. too yeah. yeah yeah it's it's great thanks man. thanks so, so much. yeah with yeah with that you know why don't you give us a little bit of an uh a self-intro yourself and uh yeah
0: yeah absolutely um yeah so uh like i said jason haddix i've um i've been in the offensive security scene i would say for probably about 15 years um so, uh, really I got started, you know, shortly after the loft era where we, we started to see more consultancies doing penetration testing as kind of the main thing mm. and DAS scanners were just starting to come out and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, really I, I was in uh, college, I did a dark net diary story of kind of like my story, mm. but, um. You know, I was in college, and I was mostly on the underground scene back when Shadow Crew was a thing. It was a big underground forum before the dark web was really the dark web, and... um yeah, I was learning hacking there. I was originally just making fake credit cards. <laughs> uh, or not fake credit uh, cards, sorry, fake IDs. Um, fake, fake IDs, IDs yeah. Okay, gotcha. I was, yeah. I was like, damn, no, 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 sorry. It, like fake credit uh, fake cards? Fake IDs, sorry, pre-coffee. But um, yeah. yeah, I was making, no, I was making fake IDs and uh, just for me and my friends. And then part of that forum ecosystem is like the people who use the fake IDs for the carding. And the other part of that forum... Yeah. You know, underground kind of lifestyles of people who provide the dumps, which is the credit card numbers. And those are the hackers, really. And so, um, you know, I was starting to get some exposure to hacking there. And then I took an elective at my college, which was a, a junior college, and it was called Ethical Hacking and Network Defense. It was just one class. Wow. Yeah. And it was old already by the time it was out. It was like super old. They were talking about like back orifice and stuff like that. But. Uh, I was talking to my teacher, and he's like, "Yeah, you can make money, you know, being a professional like hacker." And I was like, "That is exactly what I want to do. Like, that sounds amazing." Um, and so I just kind of threw myself into it from like my early 20s um, into everything. So back then, it was a lot of net pen service exploitation with like generic, mm-hmm. you know, buffer, you know buffer overflows. Web was really starting to take off. Like, SQL injection and Rainforest Puppy were. Um, you know, we're just starting. Lab was starting. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh. Anyway, so I did that. I um, I went on to a small consultancy, uh, and then Mm. eventually after that, I landed at HP, working with a really great team at HP. Nice. Um, and we built Mm. a small little startup inside of HP called Shadow Labs, um, which was a testing team, Hmm. and uh, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Worked with some great people. And um, we did a lot of uh, cutting-edge mobile research back when, before iOS pivoted to Swift, we were, you know, back on the Objective-C train and um, tons of mobile research there. I built a binary analysis tool there, did a whole bunch of web penetration testing uh, and then left uh, because BugCrowd was around. And so uh, Mm -hmm. I knew Casey from the industry and he was like, uh, he was like, yo, I'm starting this thing. I'm really only doing it via email right now. There was no platform. Literally, they just emailed you a program and a scope, <laughs> and they were like, and I think they used back then they used like SurveyMonkey or something to run the whole thing. It was crazy, and so he's like, I'm literally just going to. So wait, 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 so give me,
1: give me some context yeah. on this. What, what year was this? Oh, geez. Do you know? Uh... I, I know, I know. I hate asking that question. People <laughs> Let me go back. If somebody asked me that. So, so you guys like, you asked me to bring some. No uh, you asked me
0: to bring some uh, bugs. Let me just go back to my submission timeline when the. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do
1: that, and and I just I'm interested because you said you knew Casey from yeah. the industry, and then you yep. know. If you're, it's really cool that you were like one of these, one of these, you know, first people interacting with bug crowd, um, as they were starting to, I mean, it really seems like they were almost in like minimum viable product days. Yeah, for sure. They were,
0: I mean, uh, it was Jay Cran and Casey and like, I think five other people had they just moved into an office in San Francisco, all crammed in like a garage office somewhere. Um, Mm. and, uh. Yeah, and so they were managing everything via SurveyMonkey. So your your bug submissions would be to like a SurveyMonkey URL and then they'd be handled <laughs> yeah. like support tickets for like, you know, a support place. Um and then they That's would just great. send you an email and they're like and this is back in the day of Time Boxed, um so yeah. like, you know, it would be like forty eight hours this program's gonna be open. Um forty eight hours program's gonna be open, here's the scope uh and uh first come first serve until so much money was exhausted and that was the old
1: format okay um of, okay. of, of most of the bounties and so like yeah and we still we still see that a little yeah. bit it's a, I think they mostly do that when they're onboarding you know new programs yeah. and stuff like that nowadays yeah. too so yeah the,
0: the exhausting the money thing doesn't happen as much nowadays but sometimes it still does on the private ones so um jesus christ okay so this is more than 10 years ago because i'm having to scroll all the way down no yeah it's crazy yeah oh my god uh let's see here what was the first one um dang 10 years i mean you
2: can probably count on on two hands maybe one even one yeah, hand, yeah. the number of people that have bugs going back 10 yeah. years <laughs> sure
1: man that's that's crazy yeah, yeah. so
2: um wow. yeah so i started doing bug crowd
0: during the nights when i was doing pen testing during the day for hp and sure. um really the guy who really made me obsessive with it was bitcork um he's another really great hacker in the scene okay and uh so we were we were neck and neck in the leaderboard for for like a year basically up and down and up and down um and honestly he's a you know he's he's one of the best hackers in the world if you ever meet this guy Uh, bitcork is uh you know a great guy i've met him at defcon and um, he likes to keep his privacy but he was very very technical and, um, but we battled for like a year on the leaderboard when Bud crowd, you know, even first launched year. Yeah. So exactly 10 years. The first one I participated in, uh, was 10 years ago. My first bounty, you guys want to know what my first bounty was? Oh, hit us, hit us. With you guys that. are gonna laugh. All right. $100 and five points <laughs> for missing HTTP cookie flag. <laughs> no, Jason, I know, no. I know, right? I know. No, I know. That's a pretty serious <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> I know. You know, it's uh, my first, uh, mm. my first big one was a web application firewall bypass. Um, oh, nice. So that one was, I think it was a WordPress WAF that they had implemented, and you could add sure. uh, a header that basically said like, you know, gave it like an address of one twenty seven zero zero one, and it wouldn't apply checks yeah. to you anymore. Um,
1: nice, nice. That's awesome. that's, yeah. that's that's crazy though, because you know, I guess at that time, you know, the standards were kind of still being established for what exactly bug downing was more. Yeah, into. exactly. And now, yeah. you know, in this modern day area, yeah. you know, era, we're kind of in this place of like POC or yeah, exactly. PO, yeah. and like have yeah. very exploitable bugs. But in the beginning, yeah. you know, it was it was the closest thing to it was a pen exactly. test, and and so you know, why wouldn't you? Report I mean, I was reporting. I mean, headers? that's something I
0: learned right away. Right, like so. The bug yeah. bounty, it morphed pretty quickly to like, hey, the stuff you're going to report uh, as information on a pentest should really not be reported to a bug bounty. Like, it's just, mm, it's mm. not something they really care about or they've seen it before or whatever. But in back in the day, honestly, like, even some people were not talking about cookie security right or like or header security mm. and so like this was pretty cutting edge 10 years ago <laughs> so people were yeah, like dude, oh right. yeah i can mitigate you know certain portions of CSRF surf and cross site request forgery if i just set this cookie and i was like well why don't i report it right if they want to take it they'll yeah. take it and if they don't want to take it they won't and so mm. some like i i continued to do this for like months and some people did and some people were like nah that's cool." And like a you know like a lot of my bigger bugs you know in the years following were obviously like you know like SQL injection and stuff like that if I'm scrolling up here but
1: mm. um, yeah. yeah dude I d- I don't know why but like I just I cannot find SQL mm. injection like I I found you know I've been doing this full time for three years and I've been hacking you know six years you know so real experienced <laughs> over here but um uh you know I found maybe like it's just one of those bugs that always gets, gets past me. I've found like five or six SQL injections in my whole, So that's like one a year for <laughs> yeah. my whole career. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I just, maybe it's the targets, maybe it's my testing methodology, but whenever anybody says, yeah, you know, my, one of my main bugs is SQL injections. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, that's are crazy. you sure? Like... Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, but, it was yeah. more prevalent back then for sure. I,
0: I feel like oh, SQL sure. injections yeah. almost solved, I think at this point. And you know, yeah. I think, I think there's also this thing that people don't talk about is like, um, there are generations of hackers now, right? So there are people who've grown right. up with cloud-first and um, and newer yep. languages and frameworks. That you know these bugs are all but extinct in in this new stuff. But when you get on a program that's legacy, man, I wreck mm-hmm. those programs because I grew up in those technologies, yeah. right? Like Java and stuff like that, and like and they still have SQL injection all over the place because like no one's audited that code in eight million years, especially if it's closed source. So. Um, right. yeah, I mean, it, it is funny because like, uh, you know, like when I get on like an, like when I know an old, a program is, um, is based on like an older technology or framework or, yeah. or is a legacy company, um, which, you know, many of the bigger companies in the world are, you know, still carrying mm-hmm. legacy technology. Um, you know, yeah. you still find some of that kind of
1: stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I know who to ping now when I get a cool <laughs> private invite of an old legacy program. Yeah.
0: So um yeah. So I worked at Bug Crowd, uh, battled it out for leaderboard spot number one. I think that was in 2016 and 2017 and maybe a little bit of 2018. And then Bug Bounty blew up. Um, mm-hmm. And I went
1: to work for Bugcrowd because I want to be involved in it.
0: And uh, okay.
1: And did that just? I mean, did you just hit Casey up and be like, Hey, man, I'm loving this, or did they hit you up, or how did that? Go? Um.
0: So I met him at DefCon. They flew me out. For being the number one researcher, and I got to meet like Franz and Anshuman and some other really cool people for the first time. Bitcork and um, and I was like, yeah, I want to be involved in this. I told Casey, I'm like, how you know, like how can I work for you guys? And they needed a head of the triage team, basically a head of operations. Mm. And um, I was like, yeah, I could do that. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't too unsimilar from managing a a pen test team, honestly. Um, And I wanted. To build, so, like, a so, world-class, band, you, know, you know, triage team.
1: They they say that to yeah. you, right? They say, hey, we need a head of triage. Yeah. What's going through your head at this point? Because, like, so you're currently employed yeah. or no? Yeah, I'm are employed. Are you doing bug bounty full-time? Yeah, I'm employed. Time? You yeah. are employed. Okay, so you're doing bug bounty on mm-hmm. the side. You know, I, I don't know, you know, what kind of money you were mm. making at the time, but when I was employed and I was doing mm. bug bounty, there was a point where my bug bounty income surpassed my, my main income, right? And I was like, okay, I need to, like, <laughs> you know full-time bug bounty yeah. because there's no reason for me to be doing this um but if I were to have hacker one or bug crowd or you know any of these programs uh, or these platforms reach out to me and say hey Justin we want you to come do XYZ mm-hmm. but you can't hack mm-hmm. yeah
0: that was that was part of the agreement that would be a yeah, hard yeah. Call. so they yeah um basically the rule I mean there wasn't hard and soft policies back then but um, the mm-hmm. rule once I came on I was the first kind of tester that they had you know, running an operations team. And so any program I had access to, I wasn't allowed to hack on, Um, which was a lot of programs because uh, we hadn't built out a just-in-time access system like, you know, back then. It was like, you know, you would get invites, and it was like, oh, crap, I have, you know, like, because I'm in a marketing role and an operations role and, like, you know, I'm talking to these customers all the time, so I guess that means I can't hack on these things. So it really did stop my hunting for, like a year and a half until they came out, you know, with, um, with some stuff and some new policies and then I could get back to hacking. But, um, you know, like, yeah, that's a lot of the thing. that A lot of people don't talk about, honestly, is that, you know, people like us who have full-time security jobs and are bug bounty hunting also take moonlight work. And my moonlight pen test work was able to keep me through, you know, just doing side pen tests Mm, for people, um, was able to replace that bounty kind of, uh, money. So yeah.
1: That, may, that makes sense. I mean, I, I guess maybe I should I should hit Casey up and ask him this question, but I feel like it's a little bit of a, I feel like it's a little bit of an odd move as a startup <laughs> mm-hmm. to take your top hacker <laughs> and then employ him and then say, now you can't hack. Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit of a weird move because at that point, they still need to sell their yeah, product. Yeah. And and, and for, for them, you know, you are one of the main selling points. I mean, you pretty much like, I would imagine at that point, you know, some high percentage of the, the bugs being submitted are you. And so they kind of cut that, that, you know, uh, contributions to the platform out when they employed you. And obviously they gained a lot of other benefits and, and stuff like that. But I don't know. It's, uh, w- w- what do you think about that decision? So, did, did that slow them down at all? My or? final position at HP
0: before I left was director of penetration testing at HP, um, mm-hmm. which was a giant sure. role and carried with it mm. a lot of clout because I think the only director of penetration testing in the world was Dan Kaminsky at that time at IOActive. Um, oh, wow. And so... Uh, Some OG, Yeah, yeah, yeah. In there, man. <laughs> i yeah. I'm fan, fanboying a little bit um, here. And so I, they definitely gained more than they lost, right? Uh, because yeah. I am really good at, you know, basically marketing and sales and, and all this mm-hmm. other stuff yeah. that, you know, I think for many, many mm. years, you know, it was like, oh, Jason Haddix is involved in BugCrowd, Let's go check mm-hmm. them out and see what they're about okay. and I know the triage team he's uh-huh. leading that, so it must be really good and um so I think it far okay. outweighed you know my my
1: bug hunting contributions to the platform honestly so okay, so you had enough of of a clout in the community yeah. at yeah. that point to to be able to transition you know over to to bug crowd and then you know use that position to help bug crowd sort of yeah. sell the product and get in it very. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. All right, yeah, yeah, Casey. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I, I didn't mean to call you out, no, Casey. Like, you know, I knew you knew what no, you were Casey, doing. No, Casey's is just, actually
0: so brilliant. Yeah. I mean, um, he's not yeah, he he's is, not man. front and center in a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. he's one of the smartest entrepreneurs I've ever met, honestly. Uh, and I would work mm-hmm. I would work with him again in a second at a at a new at a new yeah. venture if you know if anything ever happened. But um, Casey's my bro. So, anyway, so I worked at Bugcrowd for five years, um, and then. Uh, you know I went through a number of roles I went through the operations um director of operations and then to head of trust and security which is a hybrid security role um and then our sales engineering leader left um and then I stepped in to basically run sales engineering um, which I stayed in for a year and a half cuz I was really good at it um and then I left that role to go to researcher success. And I was head of uh researcher enablement basically, which was to mm. basically grow kind of uh, the number of good hackers on bug crowd uh, and to compete with kind of the marketing yeah. spend that hacker one spends on like really pushing the hacker faces out there. Yeah. Um, we wanted to, you know, do the same stuff. And so created the ambassador program, yeah. created the free education, helped create level up, um, mm. you know, pushed our conference and marketing kind of agenda, uh, our open source tools all of that I was I
1: was doing all yeah. of that. That's that's kind of the position I remember you from, yeah. you know. That that's my that's my intro yeah. Yeah, yeah. to you was at that yeah. point. Um, yeah.
2: So so at what point did you start like had you already started working on the bug bunny like hackers like methodology at that point or Yeah. Mm. I um so I did the first
0: version of what I would call uh, the bug hunters methodology talk um at Defcon 16, I think and um okay. wow. and it was back then it was called how to shot web um oh, and it yeah. was yeah i saw yeah. that and so it was it was the it was in Deathcon 101 tracks and um it was you know it was it was not as refined as it is now but um yeah i mean back then a lot of people weren't really talking about recon and even really in-depth kind of web things that we take for granted now right so like um you know, kind of new school frameworks, polygot pay, payloads, you know, file upload vulnerabilities were still everywhere, you know, and so I just started talking to friends and parsing like every blog I could and just put it into this presentation that mm-hmm. I was like, hey, if you're a web mm-hmm. tester, you know, maybe you'll find something useful in this giant dump of information. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, people really, really, really responded to it. I got hundreds of messages. they like, that's the best web presentation I've seen all year. And I was like, all right, cool. So Dude. maybe I'll just do this every year. And I'll talk about bug classes and tools that save time for pen testers and bug hunters. And, and that's kind of what the talk morphed into. And um, yeah, so that's when I started that talk. Yeah.
1: That's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, that's just such a legendary piece. And when you when you said how to shot web, I just got flooded by nostalgia because <laughs> I like I, I definitely went back and, and looked at yeah. that. And yeah. so uh, that was really yeah.
0: cool. Um, so I left. Um, I let Bugcrowd went on to Ubisoft as the CISO. Um, wanted to try my hand at like the big org CISO role, and that was mm-hmm. uh, that was a lot of fun. I did a lot of really great work there with some tremendous people. Um, you know, lived through. You know, working three years at Ubisoft was like working 10 years at any other company um, because <laughs> it was giant. It was 22,000 people. Um, oh, my gosh. The, the, uh, the thing is that uh, we were one central security group managing all of those people who are primarily devs. It was still hybrid legacy. Um, so a lot of security issues to take care of, a lot of security programs to Goodness. run. And then honestly the hardest thing about the gaming industry um is that each game in and of itself is like a product team and so if you can imagine having one company with 60 products and you have to secure them it is insane um and you learn so much because they're not standardized they're each their own tech stack infrastructure some people were building their own stuff some people are using cloud and it's like OK, so you're a group of, you know, 50 to 100 people, but you have 60 products to secure. It's um, it's amazingly drinking from that's the fire nuts, hose. Man. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. yeah.
1: Yeah, that that I couldn't even imagine, you know, that level of dealing with that many yeah. employees and that many it's products. Nuts.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so I did that's that. Crazy. I enjoyed it. Um, but then I left and now I am at a place called ButtoBot. Um, OK,
1: yeah. Tell me a bit about yeah. that. And actually that that's headquartered in, in yes, Virginia. It is. Right? Yeah, yeah all right yeah. where, where are you at currently? i'm in colorado okay yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah that's right yeah. that's right you're in yeah. colorado uh, you dude you know virginia welcome okay you, man. all right if you want to get over yeah. here I'm, I'm i'm trying to sell joel on moving hey. over here it, it might be in the it's, works uh, it's um, a nice place so. i like it a lot so um yeah, it's,
0: it's yeah i mean uh, we moved to colorado just because uh we needed a bigger space for the fam right we wanted every kid to have a mm. room and i wanted a basement yeah that was kind of sound isolated to do stuff like this. So mm. um that's you know we chose Colorado, yes. but uh but yeah, so ButtoBot, like I said, I lived through my moonlighting sometimes, um and you know, made extra mm. income. Sure. And I always moonlighted yeah. with this company called Butobot with a friend of mine, Luke, who built this company. And oh, nice. um he's been you know, he's been doing this for ten years, but on the DOD side. So DOD pen test, DOD security contracting. Mm. It um, has a really great relationship with a lot of the three-letter agencies. And so I would come on and do these tests for him and then, you know, offboard, board. And uh, we always really work together. And so uh, this last year, he was like, hey, do you want to come and really push this thing into the, you know, the regular enterprises of the world uh, and build out, you know, like uh, kind of a, a little bit of um, a regression, but also like a way forward um, in security testing. I was like, yeah, so I'll, I'll mm. come and lead it. So, um, so I am now the CISO of ButtoBot, but really I'm, I'm doing everything. It's, you know, we're about on this side, we're about, you know, 15 to 20 people. Um, okay. and so we're doing full scope adversary emulation. So one thing I learned mm. at, uh, at Ubisoft, uh, uh, with the lapsus incident that happened and, and just like living mm. in that world, talking to CISO friends is that, there's a giant disconnect between bug bounty and penetration testing, and what actually causes mm-hmm. an incident at um, at a company. 100%. And so adversaries, like yeah, they do take advantage of application infrastructure bugs, uh, but more often than not, they're using phishing, they're using configuration like you know bugs. Um, yeah.
2: Uh, they're using. Or that old Windows box that you haven't. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but the actually one of the biggest ones is is just, like, they're not even doing the work themselves all the time, right? So, like, they're going to darknet markets and picking up credentials and doing credential stuffing and using them in novel ways. And um, the more and more I talked to CISOs last year, I was like, yeah, I mean, there's a couple red team companies that do full scope stuff like this, but there's not many, and I really, I really think that, you know, from seeing everything at my time at Ubisoft that someone needs to offer a full scope service. So what we do at ButtoBot yeah. is we do like a, a year long we call it um continuous adversary emulation. It's a year long service. Oh dang. Um okay. so we scope the project, do recon up front um for the external. Um we do so a year of testing um
1: basically for you. Is and that's like I mean, is that the go to product or is that the minimum product that's or like, like the is... premium product, yeah. So, okay, that's the premium yeah. product. Okay, so that's what you're trying yeah. to. You know, you may, you may. It, you know, people say, "Hey, I can't handle." You know, yeah. a year of, of testing, budget yeah. wise, then they kind of scale yep. it off. But that's that's the that's the product that you're trying to get. Yeah, out I mean, of. the the
0: general narrative is basically that. You know, like hackers don't really take a break, right? And it's why a lot of people pivot to Bug Bounty, right? Um, You know, a lot of the times. But um, so we're offering advanced social engineering with it. We're going to the dark web. We're pulling creds off of things like Genesis Market and stuff like that. So we bake in a whole bunch of threat intelligence. We also do attack surface management. So I basically took everything that I thought, you know, what are real adversaries doing these days to get in from the external? And how can I turn that into Mm. a service? And then I also took kind of my 15 years of internal penetration testing and red teaming, and so we do we do about eight externals over the course of 12 months and two internals, and we turn it into this service called um, wow. continuous adversary emulation. And then we bake in some stuff nice. at the end too to do atomic red team testing. And uh, I was just like, hey, if you were a mid-sized company and you couldn't afford a red team like Google has, right? what yeah. would be the the package that you would want to really figure out if you could be breached and we built that into a service mm. so that's kind of where we are now wow, dude. so
1: that's crazy that that sounds like such a a valuable product yeah. to the customer like that, that, and, and I think it's so awesome that you're a part of crafting that too, because you have such an eclectic experience. You started in IT, then you moved into pen testing. Yeah. So you got the internal, external pen testing side, you've done bug bounty, which is just outside yep. POC or GTFO. Yep. You've been a CISO. So you've seen all the attacks, the CISO of a breach yep. company, you know, so you can see the, see all the attacks and the attack vectors. Yeah. And then you take all that experience, roll it up into one service, and give it to the medium sized companies that can't afford their yep, own red team. Exactly. And it's all and it's Dang usually
0: me. for the price of what you would spend on like, you know, one red team or two. So it's like uh yeah. pretty affordable.
1: But dude, yeah. like it's it's times like this times like this when I hear about this product that I'm like uh <laughs> like why am I doing bug <laughs> bounty? Cuz I, I love I love bug bounty. Okay. I absolutely love it. Every day that yeah. I do it, I just I get in there and I'm like hackety-hackety, and it's like I just so, love it. But then I hear about stuff like yeah. this and I'm like, wow, that is so... And, and don't get me wrong. Book Bounty has a lot of oh, value yeah, add to companies and yeah. I totally believe yeah. in the product. But when I hear about stuff like this and my entrepreneurial yeah. side just starts going yeah. and and like my just give amazing yeah. value to companies yeah. side starts going and it just oh, it gets me. Yeah, hype, man. so one of the things that we
0: add into, um, we call it CAE or whatever, but um, is mm-hmm. actually... we. We're looking for a better name, but we call it the Ringer, and um, the Ringer is bringing in one of you guys twice a year. So my team of mm-hmm. engineers will uh, will do you know our best, and we will do a lot of recon up front to figure out the technologies, whether they're SaaS or mm-hmm. you know infrastructure or whatever. Um, and then, as part of the built-in cost for the year-long service, we bring in two specialized bug bounty hunters to work with us on our ButtoBot team. For three weeks, mm. and we pay them up front. It's not pay for effort, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> <Call> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> uh, and so um, I'm building a small, you know, a small stable of people I really trust who are world class mm-hmm. engineers who can come on and just like be those extra yeah. eyes, and uh, who I know are specialists in technology. And you know, I know bug bounty hunters mm. have been asking for this, you know, for a long time, yeah. right? I mean, Hacker One and bug Crowd have their crowdsourced pen tests, but this is this is a lot of fun um and i'm really only inviting people i know who are super legit and um yeah you know like i've got brett on speed dial for some stuff and uh I'm yeah <laughs> brett, I, and uh you know DLZ and you know i'm obviously yeah. thinking about you guys but you yeah. know bounty hunters are getting tired of the of the waste on my time and not get paid and get dicked around by the platform um yeah. you know kind of thing yeah. and we're going to give it back to the bug bounty hunters and let them get paid for their effort mm-hmm. and work with the cool team mm-hmm. and be an extension of our team here. Cause I know the power of that. And so, uh, I mean like, yeah, for sure. you know, bug bounty platforms,
1: look out, I'm coming for you. That's all I got to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dang. all right. No, no, I, I feel it though. And, and I think, I think there definitely is. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, the attack surface is getting harder. Mm. Um, and in a lot of ways it's getting easier and there's, there's, there's a trade-off you know a lot more companies are getting into bug bounty so there's a lot more places to hack and a lot more things to go after but you know as we evolve the bug classes are sort of disappearing Mm -hmm. xssi was i loved xssi and that that's that's gone now and and csrf is still possible but you know it's definitely a struggle now um and so you know as we see these attack surfaces sort of um, Sharing up a little bit, we have to pivot, and and I think another big thing that would be really helpful for bug bounty hunters, or especially people that want to do like solo entrepreneur stuff, is like have this thing with with Jason, where you know you go and you do your moonlighting yep. and you you know do some pen test like work, and that assures you you're going to make your however yeah, your much you whatever. need to make per yeah. year. To, like, you know, make sure you're paying your bills and, you know, feeding your family and that sort of thing. And then you get to spend your time, you get your freedom, you get your, you know, to be your own boss. And, you know, you can go after whatever other targets you find interesting in the bug bounty space and do whatever research you want to do, which is where I find a lot of value in being a full-time bug bounty Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, um, you know, like, we were were really hyped because... You know, like the bug bounty hunters are really good in the externals, but a lot of bug bounty hunters don't get a lot of internal work. So like the active directory type of exploitation. I miss that, uh, man. I really do. I really miss it. We do two of those, you know, in the package a year. Um, Or if we can pivot from external to internal, we find a bug that lets us do that. Obviously, we start doing that type of work and we do... Heck we yeah. do two types, and so like being able to work with you know some of the bug bounty hunters on like getting back into that skill set, they're just like, oh, this is refreshing. Mm. I get to do this kind of stuff, and um, yeah, it's pretty, it's
1: pretty cool. It absolutely so, yeah. is. Yeah. It absolutely is. All right, all right. So that's that's the intro for you, um, Joel. Where do you want to go from here,
2: dude? I well, I have lo- like. It's, you, you have such a really diverse, like, full background. It's really, really interesting to hear. Yeah. I think I, I definitely relate with a lot of the types of experiences that you've been through, going mm-hmm. from, like, hacker side to, like, corporate side. And mm-hmm. I'm very much so, like, on the corporate mm-hmm. side currently. Um, and it's just very interesting to hear you talk about sort of um, a lot of the things that everybody within, like, corporate security sort of talks about, yeah. where it's like, you know... Bug bounty is a thing that exists, but it's like not a one-size-fits-all no. solution, and it doesn't solve all the problems. It solves like a select yes. portion of the yeah. problems, and like it doesn't create a security team, nope. it doesn't create a culture of security within a company. Joel, or are you trying like to that? tell
1: me that I, I, the bug bounty hunter, am not the end-all, be-all? What
2: What are you What are you talking about? Not to invalidate you too no. much, busted, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so no, it's it's really cool to hear that, like, you've taken all that, like, experience and stuff and, like, turned it into something that you can help, help, like, provide to companies. I was curious, is the only thing that um ButtoBot, like, provides, is it purely sort of that, like, testing side, or do you also provide, like, almost application security as a service or that type of, like, guidance towards how to build better security yep. teams and all that kind of so, stuff?
0: So, uh, one of the things that I'm, like, really, really good at, and it's, it's not really, like, a bug bounty skill, but is like offboarding and onboarding customers, because um, I, you know, at mm-hmm. Bugcrowd I worked with probably over 250, you know, programs, and then at HP I worked with the majority of the Fortune 100, and so, um, and you know, some of my best friends are VCSOs, which jump in and out of companies all the time. So I have a very good pulse on, like, how to help them build a security program. So in in the reporting and you know this is a new company right so we're still building out how this works but in the off-boarding a whole month is dedicated with the head of the security program the SOC, um you know whatever their team structure is like right if it's it or whatever on um building the right security program it with the focus of to not get breached basically right like i i really appreciate application security and product security and, and all the other portions of security and security programs and stuff like that but really like the point of the service is like can you get breached right like because that's the nightmare for the CISO is is like getting wrecked um and I've I've had that nightmare so (laughs) I know um yeah uh so yeah um that's the point of it it's mostly testing but at the end we offer like a month of kind of offboarding and it includes some security and like I said we include things like if we have a successful attack path we're gonna do atomic red team and atomic purple team tests What does that mean? What is atomic
1: red team atomic? So
0: you can think of the MITRE ATT&CK framework, which is a lot of what pen testers and red teamers use these days to describe micro pieces of their methodology on how they Mm. basically achieve their objectives. Um, And the way they do Mm. it is they take real threat actors and they break down their methodologies into tiny little TTPs, basically. And MITRE Mm ATT&CK maps out all those types and individual tests. And so, uh, basically, uh, Atomic Red Team tests are small little bite-sized code pieces, um, a lot of times in PowerShell, but sometimes in other technologies, that'll allow you to replay one tiny little portion of attack to see if your SOC can recognize it or train them on recognizing
1: it. Okay. Um, okay, so it's training training the blue yeah. team to see various yeah. attacks while exactly. they're happening.
0: Yeah. And nice. so, uh, you know, so you sit with them and you're like, hey, I'm going to push the button right now do you see it in Splunk? And they're like, yeah, I saw it. Like, okay, let's build that alert yeah. and let's prioritize it, you know, correctly. And you know, how do you scale that across a 22,000 person business? And like, you know, so you, you kind of build out parts of their defensive nature. Um, but will we be, for, you know, will we be fixing code level vulnerabilities? Probably not. I want to give, I want to give my customers the best I can, but I'm probably not going to consult with them and, you know, fix app level code bugs. I'll, you know, I'll give them sure. as much advice as I can. But, yeah, that's kind of where we'll be at. So, yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I'd would... imagine, and Joel, you can probably shed some more light on this, but I'd imagine that, you know, bringing in a third party to actually modify your code base and stuff like that, I feel like that it's a little bit, you know, like, eh, because you've got to kind of know the context of the application, and then you've got you've got all this, le- you know, learning friction that you've got, um, you know, if you're bringing on a third party to actually fix the code base. So, I mean, do do you see that, Joel? I mean...
2: Yeah, I mean, I've had discussions about this with um, some of our mutual friends about, like, does it make sense to think about starting, like, a company that's basically AppSec Mm -hmm. as a service or Project as a service? And the conclusion I came to is not really, because an AppSec team needs to be bespoke. It needs to be highly integrated. It needs to Mm, be, like, well-versed with the engineering team and, like, what they're doing and what the infrastructure looks like and what the systems look like and what means sensitive to that company. Mm and you can you can contract that out to some extent but actually building like a full-fledged security team that has trust with the engineers mm. and can like make actual improvements throughout the whole ecosystem is really difficult from an outside perspective.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to show my I'm going to show my true, you know, red team side here and having done, you know, maybe a year of dev work, but outside of that none. So the security teams at these organizations, this, I'll, I'll throw this to both of you, but I want to hear from, from Joel first here and then go over to Jason because he's got a wider variety of experience. Does the security team actually have like, can you go in there and modify code or do you have to be like, devs, please change this, please, please, you know, like how does that work?
2: So, so at least where I work, yeah. Um no, it's all like you have to you would have to request like write access to those repos to be able to to like write and even still like the most you could do is probably open like a pull request. You yeah. couldn't actually make changes on on main or anything like that. Um, and I think that's like definitely for the better <laughs> obviously. Do? Okay, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think you really want your application security team to be pulling like, into that space and trying sure. to, like, become the engineers, right? Because yeah. that's not really what their specialty is. Yeah, we, we could make code changes that would probably be valid, but, like, yeah. that also means we have to learn, like, this repo and the, the syntaxes and all the different mm-hmm. coding, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, like, doc- documentation and pra- best practices that they follow within that team or that repo mm-hmm. or whatever, and... We we could try and replicate that, but the amount of time it would take for us to do that versus saying here's what you should do and mm-hmm. let the engineer who knows what they're doing go ahead and take that. We've always found that it's easier to just like guide and then like just Solid. verify. Yeah. Right?
1: Jason, do you do you see that same thing?
0: Um, I mean, so if you break it into two, is like is there opportunity for a consultancy to do that? Uh, usually not. I've I've had a couple friends who have tried to bake it in and um, like onboard as longer term projects and bacon application security, but there is always a culture clash of being a consultant. Um, and so it, it usually doesn't work like that, but there's some examples that are you know like positive, at least that I can think of. But um, as far as internally and the way you structure your security team. So one of the things I was really successful at, and I got this advice from a, um, a security leader friend of mine, uh, Tony, who used to be um, at Tinder um but uh tony was like the best thing i ever do w- was create a central security engineering organization um mm. and so that's what i did at ubisoft is i you know one of the four bran- big branches of our security team was this um kind of uh pick up the bat phone this is a priority application bring on um four or five appsec engineers And they would onboard with you for six months at a time and basically be part of your team. And they, you know, they they got billed to your team. Um, And so they would sit with you. They would go to stand-ups. You know, they're part of the, you know, all of the, you know, dev infrastructure and everything like that. And then they would start fixing vulnerabilities themselves after, um, you know, a little while. And then we would have to do that by priority because we had 60 products. But eventually we started burning down really big systemic issues And then we could move on to categories of non-systemic issues that were priority and then to medium priority. And so we had this like strike team that we could apply and it was, you know, it became very, very, very successful inside of Ubisoft. And so I think that whole org was broken up into uh, security engineering was broken up into security architects, which helped design um, systematic fixes, basically. Um, which you know, we had a cl- we had two cloud architects on different technologies. We had kind of our legacy technologies guy. We had a guy who knew the network really well and like the topology. We had an API guy. and then we had a couple guys who were just devs in the coding languages of whatever um, that we mm-hmm. you know most of our productions used. Um, and then we had a consultant team um, who were trainers and threat modelers, and they would onboard with products and um, and then we had, um, we had a couple other of like, just like people on the team, but I think it was a total team of f- maybe 15. Um, and they helped a lot of people in that model out of twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. Like that. But I mean, it can make a big impact, honestly. So, um, yeah, yeah, so they, they onboarded and were really successful. And I like that strike team type of mentality. Um, you know, if you have the budget for it inside of an organization. Mm. Very cool.
2: So would you say that there are like any like major key takeaways that you, still pull on like on a day-to-day basis from like your hacker experience going into like a C-Sweep experience and then also from like your previous like running a security team to now being like head of security
0: uh yeah absolutely I would I mean there's a ton of valuable lessons in fact um I get myself in trouble a lot uh because I call a lot of CISOs haha CISOs or business CISOs uh um, at, at <laughs> conferences and stuff because they've never actually done security i mean they'll come from like right. risk management right. or they'll come from you know some have come from like marketing or something like that it's like these are executives and having the executive skill set and being able to present to the board and speak well is absolutely a key feature you need you, you know at, to be in this in this role but uh i believe the future li- lies with technical CISOs, people who understand mm at at least, like, a medium level uh, what the attacks are and, um, and you know, you use that to guide your security program. So, I you know, I was on a panel a couple weeks ago here in Denver with, you know, two guys who were very eloquent. They dressed very nicely. I'm in my hoodie up there on stage and they're talking about, like, all these security programs and I'm like, man, I would just not invest in that, right? That's not a thing that's going to get us breached. Like, that is a thing yeah, that, like, yeah. I guess you, you're... You're running metrics on just to make yourself feel good, right? Um, mm, and it's so,
1: yeah, it's not it's practical, not practical it's not, at all. Yeah, yeah
0: um, right. and so like, yeah, I get in trouble because I call them haha cisos. Um, <laughs>
1: it, you know, that's it, I I when I worked at a at a previous my previous consultancy, I worked for Centercom in Wisconsin. Also, do something very similar, mm-hmm. by the way, to your your you know full scale um, you know simulation of uh, adversaries. Nice. Um, but I, I went with them to RSA, you know, and I, I was at the booth, you know, talking to people and stuff like that. And I can't tell you how many times people came over and were like, wow, look at this guy. He's like actually talking yeah. about like hands-on attack <laughs> yeah. vectors and stuff like that. And so on one of my breaks, I was kind of walking around and like looking at some of the other places there and there's just so many like crappo products oh, out yeah. there, man. And it's like, and, or, and even if the product has merit, you know, there's there the people that are there, you know, doing the talking and stuff like that, you know, if you try to poke a little bit deeper at a technical level, it, it gets a little bit tricky. So it is definitely refreshing to see, um, you know, someone technical in those yeah. positions. And I think it's also fairly rare as well, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's, I also feel like it's not as, after being in the bug bounty community, after going to the live hacking events, I also feel like it's not as rare as people make it out to mm. be. Like got you know we're we're all we're all hackers we're doing our our hacky thing but like a decent amount of the people at the live hacking events are also like really yeah. cool and really yep. eloquent and like really like well spoken yep. and all of the like show and tells that happen yep. are like really well done uh, you know most yep. of the time and so um i think there's definitely some space for uh you know hackers to be utilized in in sales and marketing a little bit stronger and and i'm I'm just you know whether it aligns with their goals (laughs) or not or their desires or not that's a different story but um the capability is definitely there yeah i
0: think that um i think specifically joel on on the questions like you know what specifically translated um It was more focused on like the technical bugs that i thought could lead to both breaches of private information and uh and you know breaches from external internal I really wanted that also the um although it's a saturated market i feel because it all came from bug bounty but you know having a risk register and an asset identification plan is really important to organizations so like you know tax surface management and stuff like that right like if you think about like how much stuff gets found in the bug bounty scene because of recon and recon Mm -hmm. came out of bug bounty and now it's like this you know multi-million dollar industry that platforms are spawning Mm -hmm. up around and so um Mm -hmm. you know like i think that's important like you can't defend what you don't know about in a security program so like you have to have um you know some Mm -hmm. kind of centralized place and so i'm a i'm a big fan there. Vulnerability like strict vulnerability management I didn't think was as important until i married the two goals right like nothing's worse than just having a backlog full of bugs you're never going to fix right it has to be prioritized it has to be clean um these are all things that you have to have a strong program around um which bug bounty is a portion of finding vulnerabilities right so it fits in there under vulnerability management and operations Mm -hmm. and um and then i think you know i i think just uh also um like what else did I bring from my hacker life? Well, I well, don't know.
1: Let, let me. Yeah, I was gonna say. So like, we're we're all about the technical yeah, stuff yeah. here, and this is not one of the questions that we, you know, I sent to you. No, no, right. Yeah. So this is like raw, no, no, raw, yeah. Jason yeah. Haddock stuff yeah. here. But like, for example, you know, you said focusing on practices that are going to limit, you know, personal information disclosure mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So are we talking about like, okay, we need, we have to get rid of these numeric IDs and switch mm-hmm. to UUIDs, or we, you know, we have to. At, you know, install or access control at, at like a middleware or something like yeah. that. I, I don't know, you know, what the practices there are because once again, yeah. I'm I'm a hacker, not a not a dev, but like you know, uh, we're we're talking about yeah. those sort of things. I mean, right? where where po-
0: okay, well, I mean, the first thing that's going to reduce like mm. anything at a security program when you drop in as a VC or CISO, right, is is authentication changes, which is two factor authentication. Mm. If you can get FIDO rolling. Yeah. A number of breaches, you know, I would say, I'm gonna say, 80% or more have some sort of credential reuse component to them these days, and so uh, you focus hard on that. Um, although people love to hate an EDR, if you don't have an EDR strategy, you got to have some sort of EDR. Um, and a, you know, a lot of people hate on Sim too, but you got it. Like, there are table stakes for a security program. But when you come with an offensive mindset, yes, you get into the cloud world, you get into um iam for cloud you get into configuration management for cloud um you get into yes architecting systems where you're not uh doing access control um badly you know which means like mitigating a lot of door type attacks um yeah uh, you know in a video game company specifically we had to focus a lot on not leaking data uh that -hmm. was Mm pre-release or post-release but private you know that could help cheaters and stuff like that so um, we focused uh, a lot on, on cloud leaks and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool, man. And, and, and I appreciate giving, giving that context, even though it's kind of a surprise question no, no and the, the technical pieces are always really, really, you know, it, once you get your eyes on it, you start seeing the holes, yeah. but it's not necessarily like, you know, Jason opens up his little book and he's like, all right, you know, w- you know, every numeric you need? Yeah, no, no, you, know, you, you got to take thing, it piece so. by piece. Right. For <laughs> yeah. Sure. For yeah. Sure. yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: So I, w- I wanted to dive in on, on some of the, like, recon and assets discovery stuff you're yeah. talking about. But but before we did that, I actually wanted to just ask about one thing that we had briefly talked about, which is, um, you know, the skill within sort of the mm-hmm. hacker community, right? So, like, we're all mm-hmm. hackers. Um, I think we all know a ton of, like, really, really talented people from the bug bounty space, especially. Yeah. Um, and having, like, transitioned from hacking to, like, full-time, back to hacking, hacking and full-time, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, do you have any tips on like how to hire some of those amazing mm. talent sources like how do you pull good someone question, from bug bounty into the like corporate space how do you get them to go full yeah
0: time? i mean um you got to give so people who are full-time bug bounty who are really really good uh sometimes come with you know personality and so you've got to be a manager who can foster personality i think um and let them kind of spread their wings uh i was i won't say which job it was but um one of my jobs right like like, I am very ADD, and um, and I will go off on, like, some project and dive really deep into it, and then, like, you know, like, uh, but it might not be the thing I'm supposed to be doing at that time, and so people, uh, one of the people at my work put up this sign in their office, and they said, let Jason be Jason. Uh, it was actually, let J-Haddix be J-Haddix. Um, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. and, um, and so you got to kind of treat people like that, right? Like, you know, like, let them focus on, as long as they're bringing value with their focus, you got to let them... Uh, you know spread their wings i mean as far as Mm. monetary right it's really hard because some of those people when they are ready to transition they're looking at i don't know if you guys talk about money on on this podcast but Mm, Mm, i mean i mean you're looking at like a a world-class bug bounty hunter is not going to take a job at a company for less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and sometimes where some of the fang companies or maga companies now whatever they're called um that's 500k Total package, you know, and sometimes Mm -hmm. maybe even base, you know, 450, and then total package is like 600, 700, 800. Plus, you know, you've got crazy bonuses every year. Um, They're just really expensive, some of the great talent. And so, like, if you're looking to bring in someone like that, but you're not one of those companies. You got to have an epic culture you got to have interesting clients Mm. you got to have an epic service right that allows them to learn and grow you got to have leadership who understands them um and uh you know that's kind of what i'm trying to build at at buttobot right is like uh Mm. you know hopefully i'll see some of the new up-and-coming you know bug hunters come work for us and and be offensive security Mm. engineers um and you got to offer stability too right like if you can't meet the package Mm. well what what are things that you can do um that can't meet a package of like a google right and that is like I t- it's, it's portions of culture it's you know like i did this whole talk on um on how to but but when we were in the great basically uh resignation phase last year before we were into the great firing phase now um <laughs> i did a talk at black hat at the CISO summit and it was it was like how to basically keep your employees in an ever-competitive market And, you know, at Shadow Labs, you know, we had this great program where we would induct people into Shadow Labs once a year at an awards ceremony, we'd give them all this badass swag, very similar to what HackerOne does at a live event, Um, but it was exclusive, it was for your contribution to the team, we were doing Hack Fridays, we focused, we over-indexed on training each other and being like a family, Um, and like those are intangibles, right, like uh, and they cost nearly nothing, honestly. Like swag is a mm. is a penny on the dollar compared to you know anything. Mm. And really having, I'm a sucker right? for some
1: swag, man. I'm not gonna right? lie. Like, like I'm repping right? the I mean, so repping the Hacker One hoodie right now. You see people
0: walking around with Bugcrowd or Hacker One hoodies, or people who work at really reputable shops, mm. you know, who do pen testing or whatever, and they have these brands. And you would be surprised at how powerful those brands are to make you feel included and like family and accepted because we're all nerds, right? And we all have these yeah. small little quirks of like you know, like, am I good enough? We all have imposter syndrome. Um, and, uh, and so if you can cultivate that vibe, that family, um, you know, cutting edge vibe, you can get some of those people against Google and Netflix and, you know, those places and stuff like that. Yeah, so.
1: yeah man, I, I have to say like that, that rings so true for me. And I, I tell you, so I worked at Cindercom before I mentioned them mm-hmm. before, um, in Wisconsin. And like, I, like I said, you know, I was it's it's a smaller consultancy, and I was I was making you know a good amount for a junior pen tester, you know, because they got me right, right out of college right into there, and uh, but you know my bug bounty income, you know, quickly started surpassing yeah. that, and but I didn't I didn't leave <laughs> <laughs> uh, for for a, a while, and um, and the reason why is is just like it was just such a good community. Yeah. It was such a great place to yeah. work. And like the people that I was around were awesome. And so at, at the end, when I, I did leave, the reason I left was because, uh, it was Mariah's dream. My wife's dream to move to Japan. And, um, you know, I couldn't keep the same schedule, you know, work schedule if I was right. in Japan. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm going to pull the trigger yeah. and go. But, um, that was one of the hardest things I've ever yeah. done. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like it was so hard leaving that company. Yeah. And, and, um, and so yeah I think there's definitely it's definitely possible you know speaking from a, a full-time boat bounty perspective yep. you know if you can if you can entice that if you can show that m- amount of um, culture yep. that amount of you know uh, I don't know there's just a good feel I don't know how to describe yeah. it but there's it's a good feel yeah. then you can really pull the talent yes so sure. I, I
0: pulled I pulled up yeah. some of the slides from the talk right so usually the things that are set in yeah. stone for a company trying to attract are Base range, equity range, yearly bonus, and benefits. Those are kind of set in stone for the mm-hmm. company. Sure. you know you know them before going into negotiation. But what are negotiated? What are negotiated? Really, is hiring bonus. So you can you can usually negotiate mm-hmm. a higher hiring bonus for someone. Um, mm-hmm. uh, PTO, right? Like PTO actually can be negotiated. Yeah, that's big. Right? Like how much actual time off do you get to cut off? You know, a year uh work from home obviously is a big one nowadays right like the promise to to Mm. stay in your own space if you want to you know uh four-day work week is becoming more and more popular like uh you know to to have that three-day weekend also is pretty baller i've done it before where yeah you get to spend a lot more time with your family like a bigger chunk with your family and then like Mm -hmm. intrinsic is like how much travel training are you going to make people do um you know the the idea of the eighty twenty work uh, work project kind of cycle that Google does, right? Eighty percent time mm, on your like job, twenty percent time of your time can be spent on building tools or contributing to community, another way, or learning. Um, and then I'm just a big component of flex time, which a lot of people don't mm-hmm. like, but um, a lot of like managey people don't like. But I like as long as you're doing your work. If you if you ever call me and I'm your boss, and you're like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to like you know like do this cool thing that just came up, right? I'm like, yeah, go do it, like, you know, like, take the day off, take, you know, tomorrow off, or whatever, as long as we're getting our projects done, and our deliverables done, and you don't have like a a thing, like, I just consider that some nights, I'm working until like 10 o'clock, you know, because I'm in the zone, I'm, you know, I'm going, you know, like, and I don't want to stop working. And so people talk about this hustle and grind mentality, but I think of it more as like flexible time, right, where you can put in, you know maybe 10 hours one day and then only put in two another day and in actuality tech workers work like that anyway so just making it official is like is is such a relief for many people they're just like oh jason jason knows i want to go to this rave thing and like i'm gonna be back in a couple days and i'm not gonna have my phone on he'll cover for me and like um you know or something Mm -hmm. like that and then mentorship is the last one i have on my list is just like strong mentorship like you know Joel's on my team, and he wants to be the CISO level, right? Like, I am going to meet with Joel every week and be like, where are we with your goals to get to this level that you want to get to? How can I help you? You know, where do I have feedback? And mentorship is, is really, really big. And the leader spending time mentoring is really important. Like, you have to take the time out of your day to mentor people. Otherwise, they will they will, you know, become disconnected, basically.
1: Dang, man. That's, that's yeah. gold. That's, I mean, that, was, sure like <laughs> good, yeah, yeah, that awesome was like a little mini masterclass. Yeah. That was like, that was fire, dude. I, I will I think... say, yeah. One thing about the flex time really quick. I want to jump back to that. Like I, I recently, so as a, as a full-time bug bounty hunter, I've had a couple of my friends that are, are wanting to make mm-hmm. the jump, um, hit me up and be like, Hey, can we sit, sit down and have a chat, you know, and figure out whether this is a right fit for me. I was like, sure. So we, I get on a call with them and, um, one of the things, you know, I talk to these people, like you said, you know, salaries are pretty yeah. good in and some of these companies, and you know, you can make a chunk as a full-time bug bounty hunter if you're if you're skilled for sure, um, even more so it, than you know probably what I would be getting in the industry right now if I went and and worked as and you know in just with my experience right. level and such like that, but um, you know the big thing for me is is the mm. flex is the flexibility, yeah. right? Um, and so you know I'm talking to these guys and I'm like, hey, you know. What, well, what's the what's the value add for going, um, you know, full-time mm-hmm. buck bounty for you? So let's let's assume the money is roughly the same, you know, for your first mm-hmm. year. You know, you haven't hit your stride as a full-time buck bounty hunter or whatever. Let's assume it's it's, it's roughly mm-hmm. the same. Um, wh- why is this better than what you're currently doing? And the, the primary answer I get back is, like, my work, workplace is fairly flexible. So if I say, like, hey, uh, I need to go run to a doctor's appointment or I need to go, you know, yeah. go on a walk yeah. with my kid or something like that. Like they're, they're like, sure, go for it. But like, I have to check mm-hmm. in, yeah. you know? And 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 like, like you said, you know, making that sort of small flex mm-hmm. things official yeah. as a part of the company, I think that would be huge. And I think that would allow them to retain yeah. talent, you know, in these sort of situations because my friends are like, yeah, you know what? For me, if I want to just stand up and go get in my hot tub or like, you know, go on a walk or like, you know, something yeah. like that, I don't want to have to tell someone about yeah. that. Or if I need to go, you know, drop my lawnmower off at Home Depot to get fixed, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) very specific situation here, um, you know, then, you know, I don't want to have to check in with somebody to do it. I just want to do it, you know, and um, I totally I I totally feel that. So, you know, making that more official, making that more, you know, uh, as part of the company culture would, would be huge to retain talent, I
2: think. Awesome, awesome, cool. Alright, well that was a little bit of a more of a tangent than I, oh, I thought it was gonna be, but I circle, I, no 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 it's sorry, totally because it was it was chocked full of awesome information. Mm. Um, I did want to circle back to like um, the acid discovery yeah. stuff we yeah, okay. talked about, right? Yeah, yeah, so like okay. obviously that's like a huge part of the stuff that like yeah. you've done, both from your history, the uh, bug hunters methodology, like all that kind of stuff. How much does your personal like hunting and Personal strategy shift away from the stuff that you've published and talked about. Is it basically just one to one with bug hunters' methodology? Do you basically just like throw your public word list on on (laughs) Mm -hmm. Buster and go for it? Sometimes I do.
0: Um, I mean, it really depends on on the target, right? Like, so like some of the recon methodology is totally invalidated if there's just one host in the bug bounty, right? Like, uh, so you know, depends on what programs I'm invited to. I do prefer the larger Recon-y like, uh, friendly um, things because I have a couple methods that are not published in my decks that still find me like really good stuff, and, um, and all the public stuff still finds me stuff too, so um, yeah, I mean, I would say I'm a heavy Recon-based hunter, which I know is not popular these days, but that's okay. Um, I just really find old shit that people leave on the internet. Like that's my skill. I don't know why. Like, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not telling everybody else they have to. That needs to be their skill set. And I still hack apps and like all mm. that stuff like that. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I mean, my when I sit down to a program, right? Like Let's say you know this week is the um, is the hacker one, um, you know, like uh, World, World Cup, Cup. right? World and um, I'm I'm on a team with Justin. And uh, are, are Joel? Are you playing? Are you in the other team? Or are you on our team? Yeah, he yeah, is. Okay, we're all a, on we, the same channel. Him, I was on vacation here, yeah. when you guys started, so I'm like trying to like do yeah, stuff, yeah. but it wasn't really like I was still on vacation. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into know, it this. We week. have a couple team yeah. members who <laughs> I can't here, remember, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, like when I looked at that list, I was like, all right, who's gonna have like a lot of assets that I will be beneficial for, right? And so like tonight, I'm gonna fire up all my automation um on my VPS yeah. in my new Axiom setup and I'll start mm-hmm. you know doing recon and then, you know, mm-hmm. like after I get done with Recon I think people just make this jump though when I give those talks, especially the recon one, they're like, oh recon's gonna mm-hmm. find me bugs. And that is not that's where it falls apart, right? Like Recon doesn't really yeah. find you bugs. What Preach, Jason. Here we go. So I use Recon, and I give all these esoteric methods of Recon, and I make a whole talk about Recon to find more apps to hack. Like, that is the point. Find more apps. Because the more apps you find, the more of a chance you have to succeed in hacking, right? And so, like, that has always been my thing, right? Find, Give myself more at-bats, like, if you're a baseball person or whatever, right? Like, And so, like, yeah, the Recon for me, like stops at subdomain enumeration usually right every once in a while a nuclei template will hit and it's not a dupe that's like once every six months or something like that right like Mm -hmm. i use it to find the subs and then i do the application hacking and then so like if you want to break recon into kind of content discovery and stuff like that yeah i mean i have word lists my all.txt um i've been using Mm -hmm. um uh six two is new word list that kind of combines all the all the word lists the same before oh what um, is that? it's called all for one yeah. i think um yeah yeah it's a it's a word list say what did you say the name was it six six four, four Des. he's the guy who writes recon for the win um oh. yeah uh, i will i will find huh. it right now six yeah, yeah if yeah. you could that that yeah. sounds real interesting. okay so drop that he does one called one list for all that's his project one list yeah. for all. Um, and so he's the he's ah, the author okay. of, um, of Recon for the Win. But he, he basically did what I did, but updated it. And, um, you know, what I did with the all list is basically I went back through the 15 years I've been hacking and found all of the tools that did content yeah. discovery, basically, uh, you know, file and directory brute forcing. And I just combined them into one word list. And, yeah, there was a lot of trash in there, but it was full coverage of everything everybody had done research on for that topic of content discovery so he did the same thing um and it's a huge list but i mean like uh i i find stuff with it all the time because it's agnostic to technology um and it includes a lot of legacy stuff and i'm not i'm not this is not a burn at anybody who's a younger tester but you weren't around for if you're testing a legacy organization right um and so you know in the that's why people are like oh why you know like why does this hit why does it not hit anything for me? Well, if you're using it against like a cloud-first organization, none of that shit in there is going right. to work, right? You need a you need a better word list, and uh, you know that's targeted towards that technology. But if you're targeting an older company like my word list kills against Yahoo because they still have a lot of yeah. legacy tech, um, you know, yeah. or like a a Walmart or something like that. Like that that word list is killed against Walmart, mm. even though they.
1: They that's, suck the, sometimes. that's the. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've, that, I, I've also had yeah, that yeah. experience. Um, I, you know, I, that's why I really like. You pointed out something really, really important there that I just wanted to re-highlight, which was like you, if you're if you're throwing, you know, this these lists at like a, you know. An S3 bucket. Yeah, you're not gonna get anything. You're not gonna hit anything. Yeah, yeah. Um and so like you definitely gotta keep an eye out on yeah. that and and make sure you're not just wasting your your yeah, use cycles exactly. there. And that's one of the reasons I love Asset Notes wordless yep. that they put out yep. as well. Just they're like great. absolutely yep. phenomenal. Yep. Um the in the UI is oh, pretty yeah, true, you know, the yeah. word list asset, asset note.io I mean they're so they're the that's leaders where, in that's content discovery list right now.
0: Um yeah. I mean, before them, they, we had SVN Digger and Git Digger, which was by um, some mm-hmm. other consultancies. But they are the leader now. Mm-hmm. And uh, long live Shubbs, who is probably one of the smartest, long live smartest Shubs. human beings and most compassionate men I've ever met in my life. I
1: know. It's crazy, man. Um, he's he's yeah. phenomenal. Dude, I've, I've had some
0: legit mental health struggles in the last couple of years, and I've, mm-hmm. I've messaged Shubbs just feeling like a freaking noob and he has talked Uh me down a couple times and just been like yo we're all like that and um he's so good for that he's an amazing person that's that's what i'll say so yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah, he's an amazing yeah. guy. He's been through like so many different things yeah, personally yeah. and he just has yeah. a lot of amazing yeah. insights on so many things. Uh, yeah. I want to I want to pull him on yeah. 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 Oh
1: yeah, for sure. I want to pull him on the podcast oh, yeah. too, man. Yeah, that'd be it'd be great to have him on here. I got to hit him up.
2: Yeah, just make sure
0: you, yeah. you so more sounds... more than the tech with him cuz he's got so many layers, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. Sure.
2: yeah, 100%. <laughs> so so it sounds like a lot of the time you end up using just sort of all that TXT dude just literally like content discovery find interesting yeah. targets and then from there it's, it's web hacking like, you know poke, yeah, yeah. Poke, poke, it's, poke, I mean poke, web hacking. I mean yeah
0: I mean if, if I could describe the rest of it right like um, okay so I'm in I'm in burp everything is through burp for me right uh, I'm not one of the kind of guys who uses like dev tools um, I find it too cluttered so I, I mostly p- pipe everything through burp um, and then I'm just using the site like a normal user if there's multiple roles executing all the functions I can making sure I hit the deep areas of like uh once a user logs in their configurations or settings panels any api integrations and i talked about this in my newest bug hunters methodology i got way more into the app hacking um stuff and so uh i look at those and then i think about an application as its as inputs which i've kind of been trained as for many many years right and so mm-hmm. there are heat areas in an application anywhere that handles a url or path you know has the potential for certain classes of bugs any place that handles a reflected piece of text has cl- you know has possibilities for certain types of bugs. And so what I'll usually do is I'll look at the site tree or I'll use burps dynamic uh, analysis uh, in pro to look at all of the dynamic parameters and I'll see what's there and what got passed to them and then I'll start fiddling with them. Um, And I have a checklist to make sure that I'm looking for all bug classes that relate to the types of inputs. So file uploads, Um, and then I'll key in on things like JSON and XML response types because those are usually associated to web services sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then I'll move into web hacking mode our web service hacking mode or API mode. And yeah, and so, I mean, that's pretty much the regular type of AppSec bug hunter testing workflow, I think. Yeah. Um, I just have, you know, 15 years of knowledge on, uh, you know, which I did that project of what parameters are most likely vulnerable to which things. Yeah, I love that. Um, and so that that is one of my superpowers. Like I can look... That's Hunt, Yeah, Hunt, hunt right? yeah. Um, which has been ported to like several different tools now. But um, that has really helped me in my testing over the years, so
1: yeah nice I, I'm going to pull up Hunt really quickly and I'm going to put that in my notes and then i've got here it is I've got a question yeah. for you um, so well first of all, I just wanted to go back and highlight um, you know what you said before um, you know the the dynamic analysis piece that you that you reflected on um, in you know inside of burp I, I want to know ha- how you how you did that um, and then also i for for the people listening just kind of talking about methodology, you said you know there are types of bug classes that appear when you know, URLs are being handled, there's types of web classes that appear when content is being reflected. This is the sort of thing that you just kind of gain a sixth sense for when you're an experienced tester. Um, And and so, like, I I just wanted to go back and highlight those two things because, like, and and I, I think... You know, uh, people ask me this all the time. Do you have like a checklist that you kind of go through and stuff like that? And for a long time, the bug Bun- Bunny hunters methodology or the bug hunters methodology was that mm-hmm. for me. And, you know, you've got some other stuff out there with mm-hmm. checklists. And I think that's great. But as I have evolved mm-hmm. as a hacker, and maybe this is different, and I know some people that do checklists and do it very well. But for me, it becomes more stuff yeah. like that. Like, like this. okay, there is a URL being uh-huh. parsed here there's a variety yeah. of weird yeah. things that can happen when a URL is being yeah. parsed there's a variety of things that can happen when a regex is being mm-hmm. used there's a variety of weird things that can be happening when there's reflected yeah. content and those sort of like sort of risk areas if you guys can yeah. focus on on those sort of things yeah. and gain you know a sense for like when pitfalls yep. happen as at, at a general yep. level I, I think I think that's gonna really help you you know, people level up as a, as hackers, because that's what gets you off the checklist and more thinking like as an attacker methodology, uh, attacker mentality, going into the application, looking at it, feeling it, you know, I I always talk about feeling it, you know, getting intimate with the application, understanding all the different pieces, the way data flows through it and where the sketchy things are. And so
0: here's the level up from that, that, you know, people eventually Mm. grow into, but, uh, and I saw you do it the other day, someone put something mm-hmm. in our hack, uh, in our hack channel for the competition. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. like, well, they're using this language. So they're probably using this parser or this library, right? Mm-hmm. And so like people yeah. always talk about understand yeah. the technology, right? And so the the maturation mm-hmm. of a tester is okay, I understand that this happening in the URL can be indicative of these bugs. And then the next level is like, oh, because they're using this coding language or they're hosting it here, or I've done some research on the company or whatever, I know that they're using this stack. And this is the thing that's probably handling that URL. And here, mm-hmm. now I'm going to go Google, hey, what have the bugs been in the past? Is there a way I can bypass this thing? Has there been mm-hmm. pre-existing research, you know, that'll help me in my exploitation of this type of bug, you know, of whether it's a URL parser or a file upload parser, you know, or whatever. Um, that's like the next step is like being a technology specialist and and being able to do that in a short time too, because like, you, you know, you only have so long to hack
1: an app if you're in a pen test or a bug bounty, right? So for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the dynamic analysis piece, um, you know, you said you were using Burp to figure out that. Um, I, I, I'm not a you know a Burp super pro. Um, what what are you using for that? Uh, um, so let me, let me see. see
0: here. Let me pull up Burp real quick.
1: Um, I know there's like reflected parameters. So reflected um, parameters is a.
0: An, oh, it's not an extension. It's base. It's in the base um, policies now for Burp. So okay. um, nice. So really. I don't ever think, honestly, and, and I'll, I'll just be totally honest about this, right? I don't ever think mm-hmm. I'm going to do probably a better job than Burp's Dynamic Scanner with cross-site scripting. So I just have mm-hmm. one di- I have one policy in Burp that checks for cross-site scripting across the whole site, and I only run it on dynamic mm-hmm. parameters, which I get by, I will tell you right now, right-clicking on the targets, um, yeah. and yeah. you go, uh, hold on, uh,
1: yeah, I want to I wanna poke around at it and see, because there's, like, Analyze Target, which I don't yes, use so very it. often. Yes, that's it. It's Analyze Target. Yeah, it's it. Analyze Target. So you right-click yeah, yeah. on a
0: host, and you choose uh, Engagement Tools, uh, Analyze okay, Target. Check this and out. And then you go to Dynamic URLs. And that's everything that has passed data um, against a site. And so that really trims down, like, all of the, you know, static content and everything. And that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. where I focus after I've done a full walkthrough of the app. Now, it doesn't always work, right? Like, single-page applications are not sure. going to, you know they're not going to like work the same way. And, um, you know, yeah, but but for in general, most sites who who pass data, you know, via post requests will, you know, uh, will Dude. be there and even get requests too, where it sees like uh, larger payloads, um, or, you know, larger URLs or parameters in the URL or things it thinks are rest parameters, it will it will count as dynamic. And so you look at dynamic URLs, and then you can check each dynamic URL for what params it sent, and you just start analyzing like that, basically
1: dude that's that's, that's gold cool. man i i i always find new cool pieces of burp when i talk to you know amazing testers that i that i respect and yeah it's it's so great to to get everyone's way that they use this yeah. tool yeah. and uh, yeah i and kaido is going to be making you know its own there's going to be those same things in kaido as well there's a couple features that kaido nice. has already that i just i love that are that are not in burp particularly i'll call this one out i hate how in burp <laughs> When you intercept, Mm -hmm. you have to click forward, 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 forward until you find the request you're looking for. In Kaido, it queues them all up. And then you can you just can jump. Like select the oh, one that's you want cool. and then just press. That's very cool. And I'm just like yeah. oh my gosh, it's just yeah. a game changer. A, l- a lot so, of the times I yeah. end up just, you know, right
0: clicking and say always accept from this host because it's always like okay. add yeah. analytics frameworks loading and like all kinds of like APIs that I'm not Hate testing. That. But I end up having mm-hmm. to do that process yeah. like ten times and I'm like, oh my God, like yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 yeah.
2: The that's one awesome. pro tip I will say is you can do some adjustments on the on the interception mm-hmm. side. So mm-hmm. where it says like intercept these requests either from the request or the response you could say it has to meet certain criteria. So I'll yeah. often say, like, it has to be within my defined scope. Request yep. intercept mi- rules. Yeah, and maybe I'll add, like, an extra, pr- like, condition, like, it needs to match right. this path or it sure, needs sure, to be sure. on this host or something. So that it'll only, like, yeah, I might have to click forward or a yeah. couple times, but it'll be less than yeah. it yeah. would be, f- like, with all the tracking pixels. Less, the thing for me with
1: that... <laughs> Is, is that like, I, I've known about that trick for a while and I use it. I, I literally am looking at it checked mm-hmm. right now. Um, the, the, uh, is in target scope yeah. request yeah. intercept yeah. rule. Um, but the thing is I do a lot of, um, right lately I've been doing a lot of client side stuff. Um, and, uh, sometimes I'll be, you know, poking at how they enter, they interact with like, you know, third party libraries yeah. and what kind of stuff they're loading in and what kind of JavaScript they're, they're trusting, yeah. you know, to run on their page. Um, And so sometimes I do want to intercept (laughs) things that are outside of my scope. And so I have like uncheck it and then I check it and then uncheck it and I check it. And, you know, burp did a good job of I think putting that settings panel in a different, um, window now, uh, with the latest version of burp. Um, so you can kind of keep it up and, you know, on one of your monitors or something like that if you want to, but, um, yeah, still, still a pain point for me, I must say. So the,
0: the other part of the question I think was like, it's like fuzzing i think you were trying to get at and like you know so i have i have sec lists i have a couple other fuzzing projects like the awesome fuzzing project on github but web fuzzing is part of my workflow um so it's not just parameter analysis and i have like this thing that i remember in my head it's like um it's uh sensitive secrets were leaked recently and it's an acronym for how i basically think about um when I fuzz with random data, either big payloads, small payloads, you know, different type of attack payloads, uh, as a you know either a, a REST um, request or a parameter request, parameter value request, um, I look at the status code, the size, the words the line, and the return time, basically. And so in, in each of those, I'm looking whoa, for different whoa, whoa. things. So, say that so it, one more time. And then sensitive secrets were leaked recently. So status code. Se-
1: okay, I'm gonna write it down. Se- sensitive secrets were secrets leaked were recently. Leaked recently, status code. Status
0: code size words size lines return
1: time lines okay
0: and so so status code obviously you're looking you want to focus in on the app anytime you get a non non non-standard status code right and so you learn these as you test right you said it yourself like this is years of testing condensed into like an acronym right but but basically status code you know any errors i want to over index on to see how i caused that error with my fuzzing payloads and what payload was it um, with my size, I want to see. You know, you'll get non-standard return sizes, right? So you want to sort the column in Burp by return si- or uh, mm-hmm. return size of the of the binary payload of the return of the HTTP request. Lines also can be indicative if new content was loaded on the page while you were testing that maybe you you got access to, especially error reports that leak credentials or things like that, like error messages that just mm-hmm. dump on the screen and stuff. Um, return time shows you know the indicative of like a parser or something like that. Um, you know, taking too much time to parse a file or a fuzzing payload you gave it. And then that's something you want to test for like, you know, DOS or application DOS or something like that, or, yeah, you know, yeah. um, you know, a myriad of other bugs. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how I look at at all responses and analyze them when I'm doing like actual fuzzing. Yeah.
1: So. Dude, it, it's kind of crazy, man. Like I, I, um I think one of the mistakes that I made earlier in my, in my career was I was working with a lot of people that were older than me and that were my senior in organizations, and I found them not technical. Mm. And so I really just kind of dissed that. You know, I was like, you know what, you know, I'm I I am, am the generation that, you know, understood, you know, that I grew up with right. computers and stuff like that. And then I meet, like, a couple edge cases, like you and Franz and people like that that are just, like, you know, a, a little bit above me, but also, like, you know, in age-wise, but are just, like... Y- have been doing the same thing for years and years and years. And then I just get like blown away (laughs) by like, Oh yeah, I've got this acronym that I just pulled off at the top of my head about how I, you know, (laughs) and it's just like, what the heck? Like, so dude, it's, it's such a pleasure to to get you on here and talking about this stuff and, and see, you know, what it can look like, you know, as experienced compounds experience plus interest in, in bug bounty and hacking compound over time. Um, yep, man. And you can awesome.
0: combine that with with um, James Kettle's backslash-powered scanner. So uh, yeah. that will that will ah, do mm. fuzz testing of all the special characters and then backslash escape them. Yeah. And so you use that acronym sensitive secrets were re- were leaked recently with that to kind of um, get custom fuzz cases for web applications.
1: That's that's awesome, dude. Yeah, I, I that's one of the areas that I, I think I need to progress in as a hacker is fuzzing and and uh, you know. I I'm finding this right now where at the target that I'm looking at for the World Cup. I'm trying to find I've got a very specific narrow scope that I've locked myself mm-hmm. down to and I say I've got to find every single functionality right. yep. that this website has. Um and for that you've got to fuzz yep. because it, you know you're you know you can pull gal you yeah, can yeah. pull you know anything and and like you're still not going to find mm. the stuff that you know the very large percentage of stuff that somehow doesn't get you know put in archive or like virus total or whatever it pulls from um and so yeah fuzzing is definitely an area that i would like to i would like to level up on um all right joel we are at one hour, 20 minutes. I could talk to Jason. Forever. I mean, I got time if you guys Let's want to see. do it. I'd be like <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think, I think we may actually make this like a very long episode. Okay. Uh, Cause I still got a couple other cool. things. I want to hear about your reports for yeah. sure. Um, Joel, do you have anything you want to hit before we get to the reports?
2: Nah, no, nothing important. I feel like okay. we've done a really good job of sort of yeah. covering like most of the questions that we had come up with. And some pretty Yeah. Natural I think flow, so, too. so. Cool. All right. So yeah. Jason,
1: this is this is um, you know this is something we want to try sure. to hit with with people that come onto the podcast um, one of the big things we do here is kind of talk about reports and like get in the weeds of technical vulnerabilities which you just did a great job of doing <laughs> and you've been doing a great job of doing both on the soft skills side and and on the technical side which is phenomenal um, but yeah I, I hit you up in mm-hmm. advance yeah you know prepared some reports yeah. so let's uh, let's well first actually let me ask uh-huh. this do you have a particular favorite bug type that you've got or like you know so some bug type where you're just like oh i love finding this like anything that does that for you yeah i
0: mean i really like authorization bypass um mm, a lot mm. um it's my it's like one of my favorites uh, just to I don't mm. know if, if it's the smirkiness of just having bypass login, so <laughs> like, I don't know like what yeah, that is. Like, so good. yeah. Uh, um, which usually comes through like, you know, different methods of content discovery, which, you know, a lot of people are yeah. like, oh, that's not hacking. But I mean, I, I sure as hell get access to accounts. So, you know, like whatever. Like, a lot yeah. of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's yeah.
1: good, man. So, so authorization, authorization yeah. bypass or authentication yeah. bypass, Um, you know, wh- what is your, in just, you know, uh, we don't have to get get too much into the weeds, but if you could just give us a little bit of a brief methodology for yep. for finding those that you kind of want to share and uh, yep. yeah go for yeah it. so
0: um, I mean so identifying how applications uh, I talked about this in my last talk but how applications reference users in an application is really important right whether it's mm-hmm. a UUID mm-hmm. or it's completely based on the session token mm-hmm. and every request that you pass but like invariably applications will you know, add more functionality onto the app, which, you know, sometimes they'll mm-hmm. even create edge cases where they introduce a, you know, UUID or something like that. And is it as simple sure. as an email address that is representing a user? Or is it, you know, like a randomized token or how random is the token? Um, and so mm-hmm. for authorization and authentication, I, I will, first I want to identify like, what is it that's making me me, Right. Um, and then I want to mm-hmm. identify if there's multiple user levels in the account that, um, that, you know, have more power than me to do cool stuff that I can't do, right? So many applications sure, sure. have this nowadays. Um, and so there's plenty of videos out, out there now, but I mean until very recently there wasn't. And you know, using autorize or auth matrix are two tools inside of Burp that I used to do manually and I still honestly probably do more manually than I use the Burp plugins. Mm-hmm. But I just mm-hmm. create I create yeah. an Excel table, which I know is so ghetto. But I create an Excel table of everything I can do and every one of those dynamic functions in one account. Um, And uh, that I can do, and then I log out, and then I create another account, um, or I just create another browser instance, and I Mm -hmm, try to access the other user's um, session, uh, or you know, uh, basically areas. Um, I uh, I try to substitute numerical IDs if I've referenced it's a numerical UUID. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to do all kinds of trickery, and I spend about you know two hours probably doing that stuff between accounts, and then if I can get access to an administrator account. Um, I try to make sure that both an unauth user and a regular user can't access the administrative function via just post Mm. requests and, you know, whatever else, API calls or whatever. And so really on the website and kind of the configuration panels and most app functions, it's very, it's getting better these days that these bugs don't exist um, as much as Mm. they used to. They used to be all over the place. I used to find them all the time. But now they've Mm. shifted to the API world where there's multiple user levels in the API world. Now it's just kind of shifted over the API and API developers are a new breed of you know younger developers who you know unless they have a framework that's strictly telling them how to segregate user roles they don't and it's and you get wrecked by you know like uh by these types of bugs Absolutely. against apis um yeah so the other one i really like though is um uh and and this one um i was really validated when i went to go actually see mark litchfield doesn't hardly ever talk about his methodology except for when mm-hmm. he used to have his site um but yeah. i went to a talk that he did at um, tinder Um, where I talked next or after him and I was really validated because his whole talk was his approach to finding authorization bypass against, um, big sites,
1: man, what I wouldn't give. It it was, it was amazing (laughs) because I was like,
0: yes, I do this too. This is awesome. Um, and so one of the stories I had was basically, um, this, this company that had a bug bounty scope, um, and, uh, what they needed was a CRM for their business, um, to, to integrate with their platform. And so what they did is I found out via press releases, they bought another company. They acquired a CRM Mm. company, a small one, but uh, an up and coming small CRM company. Um, And they purchased it for use uh, on them. And so the website was still up for um, the CRM software um, for the old company to run a demo. Um, And so like, you know, I had found the CRM instance that the new company had stood up and uh and basically um you know they had branded it like they wanted to brand it changed its name but it was still the same software and all i had access to was a login portal which i had no credentials to um and so what i you know what i did and you know you should add this to your methodology i think it happened in one of my talks is mm. is i found the core software and you can do this if it's open source code um, but you can also do it if it's non open source code but they still have a demo portal available for the old uh, site and so i went to the old developers website I logged into their demo portal, which they gave away for free, um, mm-hmm. to you know test the CRM, and I just mapped it in Burp, and then I exported all yeah. those URLs to a file and just replaced the domain um, for uh, for the new company um, without any authentication, and I started replaying the requests and the URLs and the endpoints Dude. against the new thing, and I found a couple of paths where they had forgot to lock down uh, permissions. Um, one of them um, was this function in this app in the crm that managed um text message or sms based message uh to their users um and so Mm. uh basically i had access to this control panel that had their api key for this text message service and i could send text messages to over i think there was four million clients already in the crm no way um so i had that api key and i could do that um by just taking the API key and then using it directly with the service through like a, you know, like a curl request. Um, and then, so I, wow. I kept looking, um, and I found some other places where it wasn't locked down. Um, and I'm trying to remember, uh, so I submitted that as a bug. That was a big one. Um, and then mm. I found, yeah. uh, I found a verbatim API that they had set up and, um, I had some predefined paths for the API, which was a user access. Uh, it was an API call to basically deliver your, your profile settings. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, like many APIs do, they'll give you back everything, but uh, it had a user variable in the in the URL and it was like, it was a numeric variable and they just hadn't made it mm-hmm. unique at all. It was like it was like six characters or something like that. And no. so I brute forced <laughs> that path uh, and I had the one from the old website. So I knew it was six characters and so I brute forced that path to seven characters, I think, in Burp. Um, and I hit – eventually I hit one of the admins of the application's uh, profile oh. setting uh, API endpoint. And that returned his, uh, his password, a verbatim password. Wow. Um, oh, and my And so then gosh. I logged, in, I logged into the application on their side. And I had access to every... – this CRM was crazy. Like, the amount of information Dude. it had, like, was nuts. This company is huge. They're worldwide, like, worldwide brand. Um, and so, I mean, and then I just wrote up the most amazing finding you can think of. And I'm like, with this access, Dude, I can basically do anything. Crazy. I was like, I'll push text messages and JavaScript into your app to take over all their users' phones. Like, yeah, no. I made a little proof of oh I was gosh. like, so this customer is notorious for, like, prove the impact. And I was like, yeah. I am writing oh, yeah. a report that absolutely shows what I could do as a malicious person here. Just so you know,
1: there is yeah, no yeah, impact. exactly, yeah, yeah. There is not any lack yeah, of impact. Yeah, exactly.
0: So the trick there is is like Dude. basically, you know, when you're testing and you're testing against a uh, COTS, I call it common off-the-shelf software. Whether it's open source or it's had a demo at some point, <laughs> dump, freaking install it yourself. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, awesome, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. COTS, COTS is actually please, an industry freaking... one, So yeah, okay, is it? software. Okay, yeah. Good, good, good. So you know whether you purchase it or whether it's open source or whether it was closed sourced as a SaaS, try to get access to the software, install it yourself, dump all of the endpoints and parameters that you can from your install or from the live running demo or whatever, and then replay those against the site. And I have hit that so mm. many times against uh, bug bounties for authorization
1: issues. Yeah. Dude, it's crazy. Like, it's so funny you mentioned this because we're, we're all in this you know, HackerOne world kind of yeah. thing. And I've got a guy right now that I'm working with on our team that uh, he's like, oh, this host is kind of interesting, right? And I look at it, and I literally did that exact same thing. Like, I went to the the website. There was a demo Mm -hmm. portal. You could log in with with default credentials. You know, you get in there. You figure out how the app is structured. You pull all the routes. You try to hit those routes on the actual website. And, dude, that's such a gold technique. It's landed me so many bugs. And then, you know, what we did is is there's also, you know, you can buy the software for pretty cheap. So we just, you know paid the money, you know, got the software and, and pull it down and just start reading yep. through, getting access to source code. And when you've got access to source code, the game gets so oh, much yeah, easier. yeah, for sure. Because yep. you yep. can start, yep. you know, even if you're just grepping off of keywords yep. or anything like that, you know, it's it's a big, big difference. So, so big, big yeah. second to that that yeah. tip. That's so a great the, one, So the follow-up
0: on that is that, um, so this is one not a lot of people know and I'll let it go on the podcast. So, uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Is that... Ooh. Many of those paid software that you don't want to pay for that are that are Mm. made by big companies, like maybe that, you know, rhyme with Boracool or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) um, The most boring company out there. Uh, Many developers develop their environments in Docker and then they upload a Docker (laughs) file of the installed software to Docker Hub. Or another service like Docker Hub, and you can pull down this is exactly how shubs and I pop This what I do yeah, all okay. The time. Okay, sorry, I'm, I'm yeah, releasing your guys' secrets here, but uh, yeah. yeah, shut all up, right, Jason. You, <laughs> no. So you download that Docker Hub and you host it
1: yourself, and now you have
0: access to source yeah. code review, which gives you a heads yeah. up against many, 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 many things. So, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I talked about this at my, my DEF CON talk this past year as well. It's like, you know, I, it was it was um, Sam Erb that yeah. I was working on a program with, and he did this exact same yep. thing, went down, pulled the Docker yep. down. You know, you didn't even have to pay for the software because the Dockerized version, you know, it re- requires you to put in a license yep. key or whatever, but you can just pop yep. in there and grab all the, you know, yep. source code yep. and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's a big... That's yep. a big one, um, a big win for sure. That that people should be on the lookout yep. for. Uh, so I That's I had awesome. one other
0: one that was more just fun than mm-hmm. really technical, yeah, hit but um, great. I pulled it because a lot of mine, I like a, a lot of my best hacks. I post on Twitter as threads. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I obviously obfuscate all the names and everything like that, but I think they're fun to read for people. And so some of my good ones I've already had, I wanted to bring you guys that weren't on the web yet, that eventually I will turn into threads, but they're not there yet. So this one mm-hmm. um, was a major auto manufacturer, that's what I will say. Um, okay. And right. uh, it wasn't in the last big batch of Sam's research with um, mm-hmm. with the Homsec and, um, and Zayat sure, and everybody, sure, sure. but... Um, But uh, it was in kind of a previous generation of of car hacking. Um, And so this one was actually recon-based. So I had started uh, basically looking at the site. And one of the things I like to do is I call it... um, what the hell do I call it? I put it in one of my talks, but it's it's like it's like a recursive recon or whatever. Basically, you load up your mm-hmm. site in mm-hmm, Burp sure. and you set up a keyword in your site uh, in your Scope settings that says to allow Scope with the keyword in it of the company. So not a domain, right. so not like you know uh, you know not uh, Tesla.com, but just the word Tesla, right? You want to see everything. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly how I do my oh, okay, own cool, scope very sales. cool. I just yeah. yeah, yeah, it. exactly. And I just put yeah. like company yep. word or, like, yep, key exactly. phrase, so I catch, yep. like, yep. more domains. So that's what I do, and then I recursively spider all those sites. So I'll spider everything that comes up in me browsing the site, and then I'll select everything and spider it again, and then I'll just do it until there's no more sites, basically, that are cross-linked between everything. And so it gives me a pretty good feel of everything that has that keyword in it, and so I end up getting all of these weird top-level, or, you know, domains, not subdomains, but domains that i have never seen before that have the keyword in them and i'm like oh Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool so i was doing this for a big auto manufacturer and i found this domain that was like random four-letter words i'm sure they're abbreviation for something and then the keyword Mm -hmm. and i'm like that domain seems interesting so i go looking at that domain and it's basically just a blank white page right and like Like okay that's weird like whatever so i start doing content discovery on this blank white page right which is kind of what i do because there's nothing else to do there right like there's no content right so it's like whatever so i start doing content discovery and i start getting hits back for um for paths for jenkins and um and for some other you know cicd tools and i'm like oh okay cool so i start loading up my browser And so the story behind this is it's not that fancy, right? I did content discovery. I basically walked into an unsecured Jenkins install. Oh, my god! I basically walked into, what else? They had Sonatype Nexus running up there. Um, It was all source code. code. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all source code for the organization, like all of their infotainment source code. Uh, It was nuts. But uh, the story is that I found out from a person that works there after I submitted the bug bounty thing and he's like, he's like, I got to tell you the story about this thing. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, we have been telling our developer staff that they can't move to modern CI CD tools for the longest time because we're in waterfall and like we're an old car company and like, we're just not going to, you know, move yet. We are eventually, but we're not yet the development team by themselves purchased a domain and started using the CI/CD tools that they wanted no without way. telling the organization. Wow. So the org what? had no idea this whole domain was public to the internet and it had all of the this source code in it and like oh, no. and they had just gone rogue basically because the org wouldn't let them Oh
1: somebody's getting yeah, fired. Yeah, right. And Jeez. so
0: you know like I I mean I had I, I, again, I wrote up like a pretty exhaustive finding. I had so many hard-coded credentials in the source. I had, I had like access to everything. I could shell the, I could shell the domain or the server that Jenkins was on because it had the script console thing where you can run jobs, and that's a common red teamer tactic. And, mm, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's like four different source code tools on there. Son, uh, I think it was Sonatype Nexus, uh, Jenkins, uh, TeamForge was on there. And some other stuff too, and uh, yeah. But I just thought it was super funny that like the dev team had just gone rogue and started using all these tools. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's absolutely (laughs) security team's nightmare. Yeah, but I thought that was a funny one. That's
1: crazy, and it's crazy, you know, that we see that sort of stuff from time to time too. Like that, that absolutely does happen. And and uh, it's a different (laughs) world, you know, the dev world and the in the security (laughs) world. So sometimes when you're dealing with the bureaucracy, you know who yeah, knows yeah. someone might just go yeah, around it the uh,
0: the other one that's similar to that is is uh, i was on a bounty and i found a, a red team infrastructure for um, their gofish instance wow. and so i found it on <laughs> okay. the internet and i was doing recon and i'm like what is this domain that looks kind of like the other domains but is coming up and they had what did they they had cross linked it somewhere that i had hit on it and it showed up in burp Uh-oh. and like i was like weird and then i go to it and it's like a gofish install And default like I had a pretty default credential like admin admin or something like that, and I log into their GoFish instance, and I'm like, is this a finding? Like if I found your red team's like GoFish instance, absolutely a
1: finding. It was was super
0: funny. And my friend works on that red team, and he's like, bro, you just burnt our domain, and I'm like, oh no, what are you doing,
1: man? That's dirty, bro. You can't you can't do that. And and I I feel that all the time though, man. Like I I you know. Well, I won't share too much details, but, you know, I, I have been convicted in the past of like, uh, you know, I'm writing this code right yeah. now. This is shit code you know, like, and and like, I know it, but I, I'm gonna write it anyway, but I know it, so like that's the At difference I'm but, acknowledging it. you know that's the difference yeah. between me and the devs is I know yeah. I'm making a dumb mistake, yeah,
0: and uh I think the last one was one that I did do a thread on, but it was um the password manager that we nice. had, so, anyway. yeah, um so this was back in my early early pen test days, and there were multiple players in the password kind of LastPass. Mm, Um mm. there was several uh back then that were trying to win the space and so uh basically um we were on this call and at that time it was uh, my salesperson Deanna who was the nicest person in the world. Um Mm. she she set up this call with this company, they contacted us actually, and they were abusive to her on the phone, like basically like just jerks. They're like, you know, like I don't even know why we're talking to your company. We wouldn't have to do this unless we're compliance. We're one of the best dev teams in the world, like Um, Your team's not going to find anything. Like, they gave her a hassle about, like, pricing and communication, you know, cadence. And she was awesome. She was, like, the coolest person at the company, honestly. Um, And so... She came to us, the engineering team. Of you know, you normally this the project is only supposed to be applied to one of us for a web test, right? And she's like, sure, she's like sure. "Can you guys wreck this company?" And oh I was, hey, gosh, and we were yeah, like, that? "Yeah!" Exactly yeah. And we were like, <laughs> "We were like, yes, Deanna, we will do that for you." And so it was, Anything yeah, well, yeah, if you yeah. insist. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, maybe it was a tactic of theirs to try to piss off us to get better testing, but they got good testing. So, um, oh so I gosh. spent a, I had spent a week. Um, doing recon and I was getting like, not recon, but like, um, you know, basically application profiling and I hadn't really found too much yet. Um, They managed their password manager via a bookmarklet and, um, or an extension and it was pretty much the same. They had a a public facing website, um, you know, with standard functionality uh, that would would log you into like your vault that would pull things from, you know, that would interact with the extension. And um, so like, this is very early on in my web testing. So I did content discovery with, back then it was Um, um And so oh, I had found a yeah. whole bunch of paths that were giving me 403s and other error codes that uh, were not standard. One of them was like Gmail, PHP. One of them was, um, oh, well. one of them was PHP MyAdmin, but they were locked down, right? I couldn't get to them. Sure. Um, and, uh, these are some keywords that are really yeah 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 back. PHP, Php my admin right it's <laughs> old this Php, one's old yeah here, here we go, we go. Yeah. actually PHP my yeah. admin was not locked down it just was a login screen though yeah. and I didn't have credentials for it sure and sure. so um, what what we ended up doing is the the fuzzing methodology that I've been doing for years right is is I just started fuzzing every dynamic parameter um, and at one point I hit uh, I hit a minifier um, parameter. And it started giving weird error messages, and I found that out through the uh, the uh, word count, basically. Um, and so I was like, "This is weird." So I went to my buddy Paul, who was much smarter than me at the time in web testing, and I was like, "Hey, we might want to look at this." And also, we're we're getting at the end of our testing window, and you know, like let's let's just dive into this. And he's like, "Okay." So we're all doing different parts, and we had all discovered like some paths, but nothing really critical. And so by fuzzing this minify function. Um, we were noticing that it was giving us error codes that said like like incorrect pathing or something like that and we were like that's weird it's referencing pathing maybe we can pop an lfi here um mm-hmm. and but we couldn't get it so we spent three days playing with this error oh, code no. and um and then you know we did the the standard investigation okay well, what are they coding the front end and it was like code igniter basically and we were like okay so like let's look through the code igniter documentation and we found this this small reference in the code igniter documentation i think it was that sometimes you can change the dots in a path reference to underscores to work better with the web <laughs> basically for some reason and so we replaced the dots with underscores in our lfi path and we are able to echo out files from the no web server way, yep, dude. yep. Oh, so then wow. so then we you know we go through every page that we had found echo out the source code for all the pages um, the web root was pretty scandalous. oh so we start... shit you're going yeah right yeah, yeah. Now. so um, and then um, eventually we go to that the content discovery we had done and we start echoing out those pages that we had found via the content so gmail.php echoed out an integration script for the, the main developer of the site that had his personal Gmail credentials in yes! the in, in the oh, integration yeah. <laughs> script. In. And so then we log into his personal Gmail of which he has source code in his um in his uh, his Google Drive basically. Yep, oh, in his my Google gosh. Drive. And so we're like messing around in there. Um and then uh we were able to uh we were able to eventually get a credential from his google drive that logged us into php my admin. uh and then uh we got into php my admin, we added our own super user accounts uh, injecting a hash directly into the database uh through php my admin. um and then uh what else did we do uh dude i love yeah, this was, so
1: much this is
0: just like yeah this is like, like what Red t- yeah yeah <laughs> t- exactly <laughs> yeah like,
1: um she's gonna wake up yeah <sighs> It was, uh,
0: and I mean, we did some other stuff too. Like eventually we backdoored the plugin, a version of the plugin, not the production live one, but we said, here's what we could have done. We could have backdoored the plugin and, uh, or the extension and pulled everybody's passwords as they were making them. Uh we found code we found cross-site scripting. Once we had access to circuit oh that's what we did. So once we had the mm-hmm. LFI, not only did we pull down the pages we knew existed for the website, but we went through we installed, like I said, this is part of the methodology. We installed CodeIgniter, mm-hmm. CodeIgniter base install on one of our servers. Sure. And then took out all the paths and files that we saw from that as a list. And then ran it through the LFI, and through that mm-hmm. we got API keys that they had hard coded in source code, and like mm. uh, we had so mm. much information, and it was it was great. We had completely owned them by the end, and we went on Dude. this call on the on the like kickoff call. And they were, like, so confident that we weren't going to find anything. And so we start going through the report how we had just wrecked them. And they were, like, <laughs> they were just dumbfounded. And then we logged into your yeah, personal yeah. Gmail account. We have, <laughs> screenshots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have screenshots of the dude's personal email. People are G-chatting him. And we're just, like, we're, like, yeah, this is us, <laughs> like, in your, your email. And, um... Yeah, so that was that was one of the more satisfying ones of, of my career. And it, oh it gosh, took a village. Dude. It took
1: all four of us,
0: you know, at the end. But uh, it that was is, so fun. that is that is,
1: you you really defended your salesperson yeah. there. Yeah. That's, that's that's great. That's so awesome. No, dude, that's that's awesome to hear. And and I don't know. I when I was in when I was in consulting I definitely liked working with the people that were more like, all right, let's like work yeah, together exactly. on this and like get a value yeah. out of this. But there is definitely those moments where the people are like, Yeah, you know, if you find anything, yeah, let's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah, sort yeah, of vibe. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. all right, it's let's like a go.
0: like You're <laughs> like, let's go, all right, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great, man. We are at, Joel, we're at an hour. From oh, I'm sorry. Hour, guys. I'm so sorry, guys. No, you're good. No, Jason. No, it's, no, it's, this is awesome. Yeah, it's phenomenal content. Wouldn't shade it for the world. Um, Let's wrap it up though. Jason, is there any, you already shouted out, butto bot, um, you know, quite yeah, extensively yeah. awesome product there, but anything else you want us to, you know, you want to shout out here at the end? Uh,
0: no, I just, I'm super glad you guys are doing this podcast. I think that we need more, uh, like bug bounty type stuff, you know, mm. I don't know. I think bug bounty hunters are no different than any other security testers, right? So I actually don't think of this as a bug bounty mm. podcast. I think of you guys as like an appsec or a testing podcast, right? And mm. so we just need yeah. more of it out there. People talking about stuff, especially people who are familiar with new school development and cloud and, and, and stuff like that. So I'm just really happy that I got a chance to come on, talk to you guys and really appreciate it. And if you're out there and you're hacking, just keep hacking, you know, keep at it. I'll... Yeah. Keep at awesome. it.
1: Awesome. For sure. Yeah. All right. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Yeah, you can find um, Jay, Jay Haddix. Yeah, at Jay Twitter. Haddix. Um, yeah. I think it's probably, yeah, Jay Haddix, in yep. those places. And, uh, yeah, dude, this was an awesome conversation. No, Thanks no problem. So
1: Thanks, guys. Yep. Awesome. That's awesome. the pod. Cool. Sweet.
2: See ya.